Guru Nation, happy holidays. The holiday season is upon us. What a great time to talk about technology and to talk about the future of clinical research as it pertains to technologies that could be potentially disruptive or at least helpful in erasing inefficiencies, reducing inefficiencies. However, with that being said, you can't be one of these people who just thinks that technology is going to solve all of our problems. It's not solving the fundamental problems of patient trust, and it's not solving the fundamental problem of raising awareness amongst our participants. Now, it can free up a lot of time on a lot of researcher side of things. So the question is, what's going to occupy this time instead? And that's where it gets interesting. And this is what this podcast really is all about. It's about the practical implications of technology and innovations in the future of clinical research. We're going to do a webinar on this topic as the end of year webinar. Uh, sometime, uh, I think it's actually next week. So be on the lookout for that. Go to the blog if you haven't, theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Make sure you subscribe to the blog, please, if you haven't already, so you don't miss out on these webinars. Again, it's theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Also, text the word guru to 31996. Good things will happen eventually to those who wait. Uh, links in the show notes too. the CRA Academy, now enrolling for January. The CRC Academy, now enrolling for January. The Patreon channel, only five bucks a month with a monthly mastermind. And when we get 50 people in there, we're going to have two monthly masterminds. Five bucks a month that has weekly videos on how to create more opportunities for yourself using social media uh, for clinical research. And then we also do monthly masterminds where we talk to other Patreon members and we kind of hold each other accountable, see what we're doing, what we're working on, how we can help each other out. A lot of cool stuff has already happened from that group. Big things already amongst the networking that goes on in that group. So check that out. Thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me. Make sure you leave a review on the podcast. Rate it anywhere from one to five stars. But five stars are preferred. Text me that you did so. 949-415-6256. Thanks again. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Site Owner Academy. This is Dan Sfera. We've got Chris Sauber. We are talking today about the future of clinical research and converging technologies in the industry. And uh, how's it going, Chris? What are, what's going on on your end of the thing? Well, things are going fairly well. Um, you know, being locked down and all, it's not too bad. Kind of uh, just a new way of life, getting used to it. Yes, yes. So uh, are you excited about the future of clinical research and converging technologies in the industry? Am I excited? Well, to a degree, I think it will actually make uh, make doing the studies a little bit easier. I think there'll be some some um, people upset about it initially, as all people typically, well, not all, but many people typically are with new technologies, but I think it'll actually enhance research. Yeah, as usually happens, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's actually a lot, and we're going to do a webinar on this, most likely, um, this month. 
but there's a lot uh, to get into. Not that many slides, but a lot of uh, in-between the line dialogue. So on the first slide, you'll see the technology changes in clinical research. And uh, technology has, has really created new opportunities for sites to conduct clinical research. Um, we've got decentralized and virtual trials. Um, it's, this is the whole premise of this is to help the patients. And uh, I think COVID, we saw that as a necessity. Now it's going to be interesting because we're kind of in between. So we're in between like almost getting back to normal, hopefully pretty soon, versus just continuing virtual trials and telemedicine. And you can argue, there's an argument for both. Either the you know the traditional way of doing trials to just come back, which is already kind of doing. I'm kind of leaning towards that, but there's also going to be studies where they're using a virtual model. So I think the two can, I think the two can coexist. I don't think just one has to replace the other or uh, sure. be the dominant sure. force. You know, I think both can um, can coexist. Well, I certainly don't. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think certain trials, there's just no way you can do them virtually. Um, whether it be there's too much imaging or there's too much physical evaluation. Um, so there's just no way they can be done virtually. But I, many of the trials absolutely can be done virtually. So I, I completely agree. I think there'll be moving forward some sort of combination uh, that some trials will be both virtually and in person. Um, others will be entirely virtually, and then many will be entirely in person. So that's a, right. that's what I would envision seeing moving forward. Yeah, and what what do you think the industry wants, like pharma? Well, if they could do it, it'd all be virtual. But um, if right. they had their their way with it, but because I think it is a little bit cheaper in terms of personnel costs, I think. Um, you know, you don't have to send yeah. CRAs to the sites. So you're not paying travel fares and or airfare and hotel and food and all of that. So um, costs right. are reduced. Um, right. I think access to the patient is really, and this is kind of what we've always been saying, but access to the patient is kind of what's keeping um, the traditional model. Afloat. And that doesn't change. Right, yeah, and I don't see technology changing that because virtual trials, you still, whether it's virtual or traditional trial, you're still going to need access to the patients. Yeah, and absolutely. the companies are not good at getting patients. Like, that's not what they do. Right, and I would completely agree. So, really, the benefit, again, to the sponsor is, is uh, less expenses. And not a great deal, but certainly some, right? What do you think uh, they save on expenses? 10% maybe doing something virtually opposed to in person. I think it's a lot more than that, honestly. What yeah. they face. Okay. Yeah, so 25%. So even so, but, and that's great for a business to save 25% on overhead. But like you're saying, they still have to have the patients and they're not getting, the sponsor is not going to have a means to get the patients. So they still require sites. Right. Right, yeah, it's always interesting to kind of, and it'll be fun to go in depth on the webinar on this. Um, virtual trials are becoming more common. 
Okay, the, these trials use technology to conduct patient visits at the home of the patient or online. Uh, some trials are considered hybrid trials. You know, one of the things I have noticed with, not virtual, but remote, so I'm monitoring uh, in the middle of COVID. I'm a contract CRA. And one of the things mm -hmm. I'm noticing, maybe it's just something I'm noticing as a CRA, but the sites that are using remote uh, like telehealth, for example, they're losing patients at a higher rate than sites that are still seeing them in person. So that's kind of surprising. To, yeah, there's something about the act of going somewhere that may, maybe it's just anecdotal. I don't know. Obviously, it's anecdotal evidence. But I'm noticing the patients that are being seen by doctors on telehealth are dropping out of studies uh, higher rates than the ones that are coming in to see the, pa the, the doctors. So I have a question because see, I would envision it to be the reverse, right? It's, it's, it's right. less, it's less um, uh, challenging for a patient if they can do it from home opposed to going somewhere. So, Right. So the clarifying question I would have is, do you know, are the patients being paid the same just to do the visits from home uh, opposed to come to the office? The studies I'm monitoring are oncology and I don't think they get paid. Oh, so they didn't get paid at all. So that's, that's no factor. Well, that's very yeah. interesting because I, I could see that happening because a lot of patients, obviously they, you know, they're not supposed to participate because of the payment, but many do. Right. Uh, well, also the patients are, they're not just dropping out. I mean, they're dropping out because, you know, it's oncology and unfortunately they're getting adverse events and, but they're dropping out on their own will, right? It's right. not the PI dropping them out. So yeah, they may be having adverse events like, you know, with, with cancer, you get all kinds of AEs, mm -hmm. but usually the patients kind of stick through it. Um, but what I've been noticing is the telehealth patients, because I have one site that's full telehealth, the other site that's um, uh, uh, in person, uh, I'm noticing like AEs, these AEs are common amongst cancer patients. And I'm just noticing a little bit of a higher uh, dropout rate on the virtual visits. Hmm. Like, I think it's easier for the patient to withdraw. Like, doing it over the video as opposed to in person and telling the PI, Hey, I don't want to do the study anymore. And they have you less, know, of a, maybe they have less of a relationship with the individuals, the staff, whereas when yeah. they are yeah. in person, yeah. they kind of develop a relationship. Develop a relationship, maybe feel a little more invested in the study right. because they're actually seeing the people. Uh, uh -oh. you know, I don't know something there definitely something there so that's just a little interesting takeaway slash side note um which again it's not proof of anything it's just what i'm observing uh some trials are considered hybrid so this is what i'm explaining would be because they are obviously they're using sites the patients do go in for the treatments right but then they for the follow-ups they don't go in they just for the safety follow-ups, they just do it remotely. Um, so that's, you know, hybrid might be something going forward, but 
we're so early in this stuff, you know. But the next slide, I think this is here to stay. And it's Electronic Source. And it's one of the newest developments in research, uh, relatively speaking. And uh, sites are beginning to see the benefits of using eSource. I mean, one of the biggest benefits is that sponsors, the monitors can just remotely access the source, right, without it being uploaded anywhere. It's just in the cloud. And then another benefit is the coordinators, they don't need to print papers or anything like that. It's all done on handheld devices and headers are filled out automatically and and the dates are, are time stamped so there's no Alcoa dash C violations. Uh there's a lot of benefits to eSource. I'm a I'm very bullish on eSource. And I think it has a lot of brings a lot of efficiencies to uh the site and the monitoring level. Um, I, and I would agree with you. I'm bullish on it as well. I'll even be more bullish when they when they patch it into an EDC, and I think some already have, but when it's right. directly connected to the EDC, so you enter it in the source, goes directly to the EDC. And I would think sponsors would want to do this because some of their expenses are paying coordinators to enter the data into EDC, so they can eliminate that expense. Sponsors would love that because you're getting the data entered in real time as opposed yep. to waiting for a coordinator to enter it right so yep. yes i agree um and i think that's next i think that's definitely in the next couple of years mm -hmm. we'll be seeing that so, um, so any, anything else on eSource? i like the e-source where they integrate like everything for the site as well like the ctms they integrate a budget layer on top of it so the site can kind of see revenues mm -hmm. the, the site can kind of see when patients are due to come in there's a lot of benefits to these e-source platforms besides just the e-source. And no, then, uh, electronic regulatory, too, which is not really a slide here, but electronic regulatory, the same thing. And by the way, any site can use electronic regulatory for free with the Viva Vault. Mm -hmm. Viva Vault has a free e-regulatory. You know what would be nice? Uh, another component that I'm sure nobody is offering is if... So you were saying the CTMS offers to the sites, uh, you know, what payments they're due or what patients or, you know, visits haven't been paid for or invoices is if that was yeah. coupled on the sponsor's end as well. So both of the sponsor and the site can see what is owed, when it's been paid, when it will be paid. You understand what I'm saying? So the sponsor's updating this too in real time. So the site can see what's going on from the sponsor end. Mm-hmm. I mean, they already have yeah. systems like that, kind of, where you do these invoices electronically. Um, uh, what's the name? I can't. I think it's Greenfire, maybe. I think that's what it's called. Where they, uh, uh, where they pay the patients? No, where? Uh, the, yes, they do do that, but I think uh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong system. But yes, Greenfire pays patients, but also you, the site files invoices electronic invoices that, that the sponsor then pays that way. You don't email ah, them an invoice. Right, right, right. Okay. So or, instead of, or invoiceable items, right? Like per, screen transportation costs. Exactly. Uh, things like that. Okay. So maybe set up a system where 
it just it's for both right sponsor and right sites right right yeah i agree um e-regulatory so the slide four is recruitment and electronic source so one of the least expected benefits to e-source is that sites can potentially find new ways to recruit essentially sites can use some of the time that e-source frees up to pursue new recruitment strategies but there's also a lot of these vendors like creo is one that's our favorite it actually has a patient recruitment and retention tool you have to pay a little extra for it but it will text your patients uh, when they're in the study to remind them of their appointments which is really cool mm -hmm. and it also has some uh, recruitment components as well so you can like the people you pre-screen you can also put them on this uh, texting list and you know have them get notified of uh, the study opportunity uh, which is really cool. It's a feature that you got to pay extra for, but it's uh, definitely really cool. There's another vendor that does just this. They're called Mozio, M-O-S-I-O, and uh, they're also just focused on uh, retention and recruitment with automated texting and things like that. So that is so definitely something that's pretty cool. It's funny. I just helped a client last night fill out a feasibility questionnaire. And one of the questions she didn't know how to answer was, what are your retention and recruitment uh, sources or resources? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's great. Her answer could have been if she was using Creo, uh, these items. Yeah. Yeah, automated texting. Uh, yeah, for retention. Automated dialer, you know? Like, do you, yep. you know when you have an appointment with your doctor and a machine calls you and tells you you have an appointment? They do the same thing. Um, a lot of, I think Mozio does this. Mm -hmm. But texting is better. I prefer texting as a patient, and I think most patients do as well. Yeah, I do too. I get uh, those texts. For, yeah. From a, from a CRA perspective, eSource allows for monitoring easier, right? They don't even need to come in mm -hmm. uh, to the office. And um, in real time, and also something that's missing from this is the PI oversight, which maybe that's on the last slide. And if it's not, it should be. So patient safety is the last slide, which is basically PI oversight. So PIs are busy, and it's really nice to for the PI whenever they want to kind of get a overview of their study, and at, at any level they want, whether it's the macro level or the individual patient, and then the even the individual assessment levels, the PI can just log in from their mobile phone or from their computer, wherever they want any. A uh, mobile device, any any device with a mobile browser or or a browser with with internet connection, uh, they can keep oversight of their study, and they can go in there and put notes if they want. They can sign things like labs or ECGs electronically. So it's really helpful for the PIs. PIs really like this. Um, and then that leads into the last slide, which is patient safety. So patient safety is always the first thing to consider, regardless of the impact that the technology may have on research. E-source facilitates patient safety oversight at the uh, sponsor level, usually from the monitor, and then, like I said, from the PI. Uh, decentralized, virtual, hybrid, or other forms of research must be designed in such a way that patient safety is always the focal point 
and then any future research technology must take the physician and patient relationship into consideration. So this is kind of what I've been noticing with the retention rates, right? Even that face-to-face -face interaction, you can't replace in-person face-to-face. Like Zoom is close, or telehealth platforms are close, but it's not the same. You don't, even when you're doing like a telehealth visit as a patient, you don't see the nurses, you don't see the other staff, right? And so they lose out on opportunities to keep you in the study, really, um, if they can, like as long as it's safe for you. Um, but of course, patients can withdraw at any time, but I'm noticing that uh, just a little bit of that retention is lost, uh, at least from my, experience, my personal experiences with monitoring these studies during COVID. So hey everybody, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind, please. Uh, and also go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who I am, who some of my guests are. Uh, you can have access to some of my YouTube videos. Uh, I do a lot of videos about clinical research. So go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com and you can also call or text me anytime, 949-415-6256. Also follow me on any social media platform. It's Dan Svera. And you can also email me if you'd like, dan at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Thank you very much.